We welcome you to this week's episode of Live Transform, episode number 171. And this is an incredible series we're in because it's 171 episodes. (laughs) 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 Why not, right? Why not just have this time together? And last week I was just saying, man, I'm thankful for our listeners because they're on the journey Mm. with us. And today, um, as we were preparing, Jim just gave us a great title for today, you guys. So get, go ahead and get excited. It's the journey of the miraculous. Wow. And yep. last week, we gave you guys homework. We, we did. We asked just a, a, a few questions, uh, it, it, you know, just kind of simply, you know, ask your heart this, mm-hmm. you know, with regards to um, what what would I really want? Mm-hmm. And so, Audrey, you got those listed yeah, right there. Yeah, the, the basic question is, do I want to prosper so that I can be more uh-huh, generous, generous or just so that I can have an easier life or have that yep. security? Or the have, security, is that I gonna, think, is a real security one. Security is a, is, mm-hmm. a, is a big deal. We're living in, in such a world where a, a lot the of unknown. unknowns. Yeah, the you know, unknown. Just so many unknowns. And something, Audrey, you know, that we have said repeatedly through this season is let's not focus on what you don't have or what you're unsure of or what you don't know or you don't know but what do you know to be true yes and uh so i i think um you know for those of you that are making this journey you know along with us and 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 i say that because i'm in it with you Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um you know just when we begin to ask you know ourselves these questions you know, am I, you know, again, the temperature of generosity? And then where do I place my trust? Yes, that's the Where that's do I such place my trust question. and my confidence? So anyway, hey, welcome everyone. And Jim, thank you so much. Um, it we're wouldn't, all, we're I'm all, glad you showed up. It would not be the same without you. <laughs> we're also referencing... <laughs> uh, we're also referencing uh, the book... And that's available at Live Transform, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is... Wired for Success. Thank you, babe. I, yeah. It just slipped my mind. Yeah. Wired for you know, Success. Uh, you know what? Let, let's give it the whole name mm-hmm. just uh, for because of where we're going <laughs> okay. in this, this week. Because the full name is actually Wired for Success Program, Program, Program for, for Failure. failure. For failure. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm remembering and, that. Uh, that's, that's really important because of the yeah. fact that... Uh, God didn't. God did not create us with the capacity for failure. I mean, we have the capacity as right. far as being able to endure it. But but it, God put man in a garden called paradise. Yes, there was no lack. There was no pain. There was yeah. no suffering. And He gave us. He created us with a nervous system that has this pain or pleasure mechanism. Yes. And so anything anything that's not pleasurable we are going to run from it and people say well so you can't live for pleasure well you know what that's sort of you know you can't live for pleasure you can't you can't make everything just about just about pleasure but at the at the same time we were created to live in an environment that is absolutely Nothing but pure pleasure and delight, you know, there in the presence of God. <laughs> yeah, so there there lies the oxymoron of how are we going to wrestle through that? Because peace and joy and freedom and righteousness is pretty pleasurable. And so oh. that's just part of being in the kingdom. Well, I'm excited to, to know which direction you're going to go in this journey of the miraculous. Well, let's start with this scripture in, in, in 1 Timothy 6.17. 
And, and, and it's amazing how people will read a passage of Scripture. I, I remember I was teaching. I was out in California. And I was in one of them crazy churches, and I was, you know, one of the, I mean, it was one of them crazy prophecy, word of faith, mixed with charismatic miracles, fight the devil. I mean, you know what I mean? It was one of those kinds yeah. of churches. Yeah. yeah. And so I was, you know, I was teaching about how, you know, how good God was and whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and so I quoted a scripture, and, and I'll tell you, a woman came up to me and she said, that is not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. And I said, well, really? And she said, let me show you what the Bible says. So she read a scripture about her point of view. And I said, well, what's that next verse say? Well, the next verse was the verse I just quoted. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. We will, read, we will read a verse or a part of a verse and lift out the part of it that confirms our opinion yeah. and never read the whole context and say, oh, well, wait a minute. But there's there's more to this picture. So Paul was talking to <laughs> Timothy here just about you know people's issues about wealth and pursuing wealth for the wrong reasons. He said in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. Now, that's, that's what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. The problem is not wealth. The problem is do you trust in your wealth? Does right. that, does that yeah. become your source? Yeah. But, but So if you just stopped right there, you'd go, okay, see? Man, you cannot, you cannot pursue riches. But wait a minute. It's like, wait a minute. There's another pay, There's another half to this verse. It says, it says, so don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God. Now listen to this. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment oh, or for our pleasure, wow. one translation says. Everything that God put in planet Earth was for our enjoyment. Wow. And as long as we look at that and, and see him as our source, and as long as rather than pursue, just pursuing and putting our trust in these things, we pursue them and it causes our heart to turn to God and rejoice mm-hmm. and celebrate in God, then the real truth is the stuff that other people lust after and trust in that destroys them are the things that we we desire from a godly perspective, but mm-hmm. it builds us up and we use it to influence the world for God. Wow. Wow. So just remember, everything is for your enjoyment. Now, what, mm-hmm. whether it's going to be the kind of enjoyment that destroys you or the kind of enjoyment that edifies you, it's going to all be do what you do with it in your heart. Wow. It's mm-hmm. been, you know what? It's almost like that whole, that one scripture in First Timothy puts everything of our homework for a week into perspective, you know, because for a week we've been thinking, okay, you know, wait, wait a minute. Why do I want that? Do do I feel like it'll make me more secure? I mean, let's just face it. We're human beings, Jim. If we had savings in the bank right now in the season that's going on right now, that would bring a sense of security to the next few months ahead for those who have, who have not have lost their employment to have savings accounts do, does make you feel more secure, doesn't it? Well, it could. Okay. But here, here's what here's what people in this day and age aren't realizing: those same elitists that are lying to you and trying to drive, trying to destroy the economy right now, will in the future. If you've read the end of the book, yeah, I can tell you they will in the future destroy our economy. And no matter how much money you have in the bank, once once America or Canada or these other countries become totally socialist countries, anti-God countries, they will take everything you've got and redistribute it. You're going to lose everything you got in the bank. 
So we, might, so we might as well eat, drink, and be merry is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I'm saying, I'm saying that if you anything in this life is temporary, and yeah. if you make anything temporary a source of security, you never know what day it's going to be gone. Right. Because there is this, there is a feeling, you, this is just, it's a bit personal, but there is this feeling in, of, in me that's like any form of debt, I am just really wanting to knock off right now. Just, yeah, that's but I wisdom. Mean, that's just wisdom. Well, that for, is wisdom. That's and, biblical. Mm-hmm. And that's for any season of life. Yeah, you know, correct. To live as lean as possible and, and cover as much of my, any kind of debt I have on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we could go really political. I don't want to, but stop and think about it. You know, we came off of the gold standard under Nixon, Mm -hmm. and then the way credit ratings begin to be developed is uh, your credit scores start getting worse if you were debt free. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you you remember when that transition happened. Well, it's true. Yeah. They actually celebrated the fact that you make monthly payments on debt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there is more money spent on advertising for credit cards than there is like on on the other top three varieties of advertising combined in other words in other words you're always being sold get this credit card go in debt go in debt go in debt mm-hmm. go in debt mm-hmm. well now what's that about well when you understand the elitist society and you understand the you know the, the biblical agenda of what's going on you realize that all of that is being driven by Get in debt, 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 so that at some point in time you can't get out of debt and somebody has a rescue, and that somebody is going to own you once they rescue you. Yeah. This that's, is, enough of, that's enough of the political side of it. But yeah. I'm just telling you, it, it, you, you know what? In the, in the 80s, when I was about 30, I think I mentioned this, all of my friends started saying, Jim, what are you doing for a 401k? And I said, well, you know, I, I always tried to be kind of vague because I didn't want to sound like I was trying to be spiritual, you know. And so I had a bunch of friends kind of press me. I said, look, I've got a plan from God for my for my retirement. Well, what is it? I know, and, you know, I, most of the time I never would tell anybody. And But basically, I said, you know, I don't feel right about having a 401k because I got a hunch that it's going to, that the market's going to go wrong. Everything's going to go bad. I, I just, I'm just telling you. And they said, "Well, what is what? What are you going to do?" I said, "What I'm going to do is, by the time I reach retirement age, I'm going to have some, I am going to have some money in the bank, but I'm going to own all my property debt free. And at that point in time, our kids will be gone. We sell everything off. We we downsize. That will be, that will be our retirement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. you know, everybody everybody advised me on the foolishness of that. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. I, I never thought I was a great master planner for finances, but I just mm-hmm. knew in my heart what God was telling me. Well, see, then." And about 86, then, then we had the first collapse. Nearly everybody lost almost everything they had yeah. in their 401ks. And then, you know, then we, then they started putting it back in there, putting it back in there. And everybody said, what, what are you doing for it? I, I'm still working the same plan God gave me. He ain't gave me another plan yet. But, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I just, don't, I just don't trust what's going to happen with the banks. Because, number one, I'd read the, I'd read the end of the book, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, sure enough, you know, two thousand eight, they all lost again. Everybody, you know, it's like so. Y'all have lost everything, and so far, I've lost zero. Right, right. As far as what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to retire on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, this is this is why I understand that 
navigating through this world is all about being able to sense in your heart what God is saying to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there may be people that invest in different ways that have other ways of planning retirement. I'm not saying how anybody should do anything other than you better know in your heart what God's speaking to you because at the end of the day, no matter what goes wrong, I mean, if something goes wrong really, really bad, he's the only one that can navigate you through all the all of the loopholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It's something that was said last week, which I thought was really good, you know, and that was with regards to the opposite of gratitude being that entitlement. Yeah. And if anything that is really on, on an increase and in escalating in, in our society and just even in the b- beliefs of, of people's heart yep. is what they are entitled to. Yep. And so you've taken this from me now. I'm entitled to it that you give it back to me. And, and, and this system is creating that, oh, yes. that indebted heart in everyone. And so yep. we're in this pandemic now You've taken it from me. Now it's your responsibility yeah, to give it back. People who normally would not gone would not yes. have gone to entitlement. People who went to work every day, paid their bills, they will go to entitlement because they will look at it and say the government has unjustly shut yes. down my business, made it against the law of me to go out and make a living, and now I'm losing everything I've got. Yeah. So yeah, they owe me. Yep. And you know that's a con game, man. I'm yeah. telling you, if you if you if I've ever seen the perfect con game, this is the perfect con game mm. because oh yeah, we're going to come back. And what and what's going to happen is people are going to become indebted to, and uh, uh, it's just like it's just like this this small business loan that they put out there. I understand if you got a small business, you might need to do it. But I tell you what, I I started looking at that and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's what we call weasel clauses in the business. Too many weasel clauses in there. There's too many un. You you have no idea based on borrowing that money, what's going to happen in the payback process. Yep. And there's churches that are borrowing this money, and you know they can just bounce right back because it's not defined in there. And actually, they can say, okay, you don't have to pay it back unless, uh, but. Uh, as long as you agree to this doctrine, as long as you agree to this line right. of thought, mm-hmm. this social yeah. messaging, you know. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let, me, let me read something else here. Okay. If you, you know, if you struggle, if people struggle with believing, you got you know, it's got to start by number one, you know, how does the Bible define prosperity? And does God, you know, does God really want me to have it? I mean, does, so let me just read you this. I, this is God speaking. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. So you think, oh, okay. But look at this. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. And so they're like, oh, see, that's, that's all spiritual. Well, let's see. My fruit is better than gold. Oh, see, 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 see. That's not really money. You know, uh, my fruit is better than gold. Yes, better than fine gold. And my revenue is better than choice silver. I traverse the ways of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasures. It's man, this is creating this paradox mm. of what of God's desire to materially bless people. Mm-hmm. Mm. But at the same time, 
keeping that paradox to the place where you, you still realize, though, it, you know, it is, in fact, uh, uh, the fruit of righteousness yeah. that is more valuable than any of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not throwing this away. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, and use, using that, the, the image, you know, imagery of, of the paradox, because we, we store treasures in heaven. Yeah. You know, where raw, moth and rust do not, yep. uh, you know, uh, rot and thieves don't break in and steal. So there right. is that heavenly reward yeah. and treasure that we lay up, as well as there is yep. a prosperity that God wants to bring yep. to our lives. And it, it is not a choosing of one or, or the other. Okay. It's choosing both of them, but keeping them in the right priority. My top priority is I want my true wealth to be my character that is established in the righteousness of God. Well, and we won't go too far in this today, but you know, the more I look at righteousness, even though this is not the actual definition, this seems to be the functional concept. The more I look at righteousness, the more I realize righteousness is nothing more than me just harmonizing who I am with who God is. That's it. I mean, it's not much more complex than that. Now, yes, the word means a whole lot of different things, mm-hmm. but but uh, uh, you know, I I want to be like God. God uses His resources to benefit mankind. God created hmm. not just the earth, but a universe that everything in the universe is designed to benefit the quality of life that we experience here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great that's a great use of resources. Hmm. But the question is, do I want resources just for my benefit, hmm. or, or, or do I want resources to benefit? Yes, me, my family, but but to benefit everybody. I, I love that. I Isn't love that. that. I, I know, and I just that's so good, Jim. I, I just I go back to Abraham. Last week we talked yep. about you know Genesis three. We talked about the big see. and what God established in Genesis is is repeated throughout Scripture, yep. and that is. He's, he's like, I want to benefit you. Yep. I want to get my blessing, my favor, my, my purpose. Yep. My, I want to get it to you. And so when, it, when you um, make that statement, I think of Abraham. And God's like, Abraham, you have no idea. Right. Because I want to use you that I might bless everyone. So it, I love. I've never heard it in that way, Jim. Where I want to be like God. We want to be like Jesus all the time. I want to do this. I want to be like God, where He is called a provider. I wanted people to see my life and say, "Oh, there's Audrey. She's a provider. She provides oh. for others." Because if God's a Makes provider, a I want to be a provider. I. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I be the one that provides? You know, th- right. because I am so full. And you know, we you talked about subjective and objective last week, Jim. And that has impacted me because, you know, that subjective person relies on their own assumptions and beliefs and opinions, and they're influenced so much by their feelings. And I just, what you just said made me think of the day, like, it's important to think about these things. When do I feel the most wealthy? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel the most, I have had feelings of being so wealthy, and it had 
everything to do with the richness of what I was experiencing in God's presence that was that I felt so rich, so successful that anything the world would offer me in that direction would be very faint in comparison. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I, I, so again, there is never the choice between mm-hmm. really with God the, you know I, I and you guys remember we talked about this years ago about how that um, about what what I called you know uh, horizontal priorities yes yes I love that I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the podcast but I clearly remember where we even were when we talked uh, about that you, you know people when people think about uh, for example, okay, I'm going to live this godly life. And man, I've seen so many people tormented over this. I, I, oh my there's gosh. always one particular person that comes to mind that I remember is having a struggle <laughs> where it's like, okay, I'm going to fulfill my call because you got to put God first. Okay? You, and everyone has this incredible priority yeah. list, right? Yeah. So what So how, what does it yes. look like to put God first? Well, right. putting God first and make my call, blah, 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 yeah. and then I'm going to take care of my family. Yeah. And, blah, blah, blah. And, and so so then what would happen is this person would just die, throw themselves into the ministry and abandon their family. Yes. And then they would get feeling guilty and their family would start falling apart. So then they would abandon their oh ministry and go gosh. throw themselves into their family. Oh. And then their ministry would start falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I, I said, look, you, you got to understand what I call holistic, it's actually holistic priorities, which, which, which makes you look at your priorities from a horizontal perspective yes. rather than a vertical perspective. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Rather than putting God at the top of the stack and working your way down, put God in the middle of a horizontal line. Yes. And then on both sides of that line, put everything that's important to you. And the real question that you've got to ask now is not which of these come first. The question you ask is, when I do any of these, how do I do them in a way that it doesn't take away from any of these other things that I say are available to me? Yeah. There's never a choice of do I fulfill my ministry or do I take care of my family? I look at it and say, how do I do both? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this, it's a walk. This, I hope, listeners, I hope you're hearing this because if you've heard this for the first time, this has blown my mind for about 10 years yep. because I think it was almost 10 years ago when you shared this with us, Jim. Yep. But when I, I, I mean, when I was brought up as a kid, it's always a priority list, a vertical list yep. that you have to. And if you're ever messing up, it's because you messed up your priorities and then you've got to sacrifice and you've got to, um, you know, something's going to have to lose in order for yep. you to win because you are obviously not, you know, doing it yep. right. You know, that was the perspective. But then when everything turned horizontal, I didn't know that you called it holistic, but that makes yep. sense. But that ho- that horizontal list of priorities means nothing is going to suffer yep. when yep. I'm, when I'm, when I'm, because for five minutes of the day, it is all about this one thing yep. that I am completely in on this. But then for mm-hmm. another half an hour later, I get to move over to another, yep. but nothing's going to suffer. You know, that is yep. how God really wants us to live where no part of our life is suffering. Right. See, the world system is always corrupt. It doesn't matter yeah. how much benefit it brings. It's always corrupt. Yeah. It, an, an example, for instance, that there's this, I mean, in medicine, for instance, there's this, there's this concept uh, that you can go to the doctor and if the problem is, is in your appendix and we're just going to take your appendix out. Right. Well, wait a minute, that's not, that's not holistic because every organ right. in the body affects every other organ. Right. And so what you do is you take care of, of whatever is going wrong in your body. Take care of that organ or that system. 
in a way that considers and supports all the oh. other organs and systems. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. What a holistic good word. Success. Consider, consider yeah. all the others. Yes. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it, it would it would be like now, now. Now, keep in mind, you you can't in relationships. You relationally, you can't have holistic success beyond another person wanting to have that same type of success. In other words, you know, like, like, like there could right. be people in the ministry that their spouse just is jealous and, and controlling and doesn't want them to ever do this. So, so I realize that you ha- you don't have any control over that, but you can no. still have peace in your heart Absolutely. about the fact that you're giving yourself to all of these, all these areas. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead. Well, I, I just want to, you know, kind of check in here just a little bit because uh, I think, you know, with, with this holistic, but I think a lot of people, what they want is the fix. Yeah. Okay. So if we can just fix this one thing, you know, like, like the instant, you know, fix where then it's forever done and cared for fixed, done over. Never Uh, happens. (laughs) Well, no, but, but when it comes to prosperity, it's, it's as though if I had this, then Everything else would care for yep. it's everything, and it's almost that that lottery mindset. Yeah, you know, I, I win it, I've got it all done. Mm-hmm. Don't have to think about it again. Well, you stop and think. Okay, a, a, a incredible part of self worth is working mm-hmm. and accomplishing things. Yes, meaning. So, yeah, so you win meaning. the lottery and you quit your job. Then now you're not going to have holistic success. You might have money, but you're not going to have holistic success because you're you're not taking care of all the dimensions of your life. And you know, I mean, I could just go through that. Every, yes. I mean, about our marriage, about how we relate to our kids, about buying toys, how you spend your money. You know, uh, you know, I talked about how that how you got to start being generous now. Yes. You know, a question. I, if I were, if I was coaching a person individually yeah. and they were trying to decide, okay, I want to know if my heart's in the right place. One of the questions I always ask people is this: If you have, it, it, when you get a windfall from time to time, mm-hmm. what do you do with it? And you say, well, what do you mean, what do I do with it? Well, okay, well, let's let's just say right now, if you came into a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever, what would you do with it? Now, the issue is not that any one thing is right or wrong, per se. Uh-huh. I mean, it might be if I'm going to go get a hooker and some whiskey, then that might be a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it might be. Uh, uh, but, uh, but, but here's the thing. When I, I learned this back in the 70s, and you guys have heard me to this story about how I left Huntsville with like 20 bucks and stayed gone for weeks on the road ministering. Mm-hmm. And, you know I just I would just go wherever I felt led to go, and when I'd get there, if I had money, I stayed there until I got more money. You know, I, I, and never told anybody anything anything I needed. So on the so I, I stay out for weeks, going from town to town, witnessing on the streets, preaching wherever opportunities happen. I mean, it was just one of those kind of phenomenal things that people write books about. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. So when I start home, uh, uh, and by the way, this was this was in the financial crisis of the 70s that uh, nobody probably saw coming. And this is when gas rationing was going on. I remember, uh, yes. uh, and And so money, money was, everything was tight. Mm-hmm. So on my way home, 
the Lord impressed me to go through Starkville, Mississippi, which was out of my way. I was down in the swamps in New or- uh, outside of New Orleans ministering to, to people down there. And, and just one day the Lord spoke and said, you're done here, go home. So I didn't, you know, I just, okay. And what's interesting, I didn't have enough money to make it home. But as I was walking from where I preached that night, the reason I walked because I didn't have gas, so I was walking back home, and along the way, it was in the summer, so people would be out in the yard. I don't know how many people would stop me and say, hey, preacher, come here a minute. I'd come around and say, they'd say, you know, I've been thinking about you here. Here's 20 bucks. And so it's like, you know, by the time I got home, I had enough money. I thought, okay, I, I can almost make it home now. And so we jumped in the car, took off, and uh, and so made it to start with Mississippi. And, and man, I'm telling you, I mean, I... I I could have made it home, but I wouldn't have. I'd been penniless by the time I got home, and you know my my rent was due, utilities were due, needed to buy groceries, all this kind of stuff. And so um, uh, there was a music. So I got owned a music store there. That I just I had just met the guy a few weeks before when I'd started on the strip. So I remember thinking, I'm gonna just swing by and say hi to that guy and just tell him how much I appreciate you know, appreciate him. I, I spoke in his home group meeting. And that's it. That, that's my only reason for going by there, other than I kind of felt like I should go by there. Right. So I go by there and I walk in. He goes, the minute I walk in the door, he goes, you're the one. You're, and I'm thinking, I'm the one at what? You know, I mean, what? I mean, I, was, I thought he was accusing me of yeah, something. Yeah. You know? I didn't do it. <laughs> it wasn't and me. And so, so I get over there and uh, he says, I got something for you. He pulls an envelope out under his counter. And it's got three hundred dollars in it. Well, wow. that, that was that's a lot. That, of money. that was monumental. Yep. When, when you're pretty much penniless back in the seventies, and uh, he said a woman came in here just a few weeks ago, and said that the Lord had impressed her to give me this money. And he said, I told her. He said, Look, I don't need any money. And he's like, I was just thinking she's making a mistake because I didn't need any money. I'm not short of any money. Yeah. And the woman said, well, I don't know. I don't know why God told me to get, but I'm just giving it to you because God said to give it to you. Well, here's what this guy, I learned a lesson. I learned a phenomenal lesson that I have observed ever since then. Yeah. He said, you know, I kind of thought I could just run out and just do something, maybe just do something special. And he said, but then I got to thinking, wait a minute, God, what do you want me to do with this money? Yeah. There's a good he, question right there. It is. And he said, all he knew was he needed to hold on to it. Had no idea why. And he said, the minute you walked in the door, I knew it was for you. Wow. Now, that's, pr- to me, I, I, mean, wow. I can't tell you how phenomenal that is. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I make it back home. I pay my rent, pay my utilities, pay all my bills, buy groceries. I'm set. I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to launch out on another adventure. Right, right. But see, our, our tendency is when we get a windfall, you know, James kind of said this way, you ask, which that word ask, you know, we don't want to go in the negative direction of that, but he says, you ask, <laughs> and, you, and he, he said, you have not because you ask not. He's, but, but then when you ask, you ask to consume it on your own lust. And I just thought about that. How many times does God do something in our lives that's bigger than anything we've ever imagined that would, that would put us in an interplay, you know, a dynamic interplay with people's lives getting transformed and all this kind of stuff? But but the but the problem is the minute we get it, our first thought is how can I spend this on me? How can I use this on me? How can I use this to make to have more fun or make my life better? Mm-hmm. And so you know my my question is so when you get a windfall, mm-hmm. do you even pause hmm. to consider? Do you pause to consider what God might want you to do with it? Wow. 
And I learned my lesson there. And, and I've had that, you know, I have had that same experience with other people where I have had windfalls. Yes. And I've just sit on it and go, okay, I'll, I'll just wait. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm yeah. not saying every windfall was that way. Yeah. But I would just wait and say, God, how do you want me to use this? Where do you want me to use this? And I would get to be a part of something bigger and more exciting than I ever imagined. And many times, many of these missions trips I used to go on, I would get a windfall. I'd have no idea that I was that I was going to go somewhere on you know on a, on a trip somewhere. And then maybe two weeks later, God would start putting it in my heart to go somewhere. Well, then I had the money to go. So, you know, we don't really involve God very much. I mean, we kind of say we do, but but we really don't really involve God very much in in our whole thing of possibility. Let me read you. Can I read you another scripture? Oh, yes, yeah. please. Psalm 112. I love Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. That word fear, that concept of fear of the Lord is, is that their, their biggest fear, the biggest dread would be in any way hurting their relationship. Not, not afraid that he's going to hurt them. He says, and they delight in obeying his commands. You know, by the way, you know, the word, uh, the word law in the Hebrew, uh, there are several different words of law, but you know, one of the words for law is signposts. Mm. It's just an Following external It's just an external signpost yes. to what needs to be going on in your heart. Yes. And I love listen, love signposts make me fall in love with God because I love direction, you know? So oh, I yeah, just absolutely. love his commands. I delight in his commands. So he says, their children will be successful everywhere. Yes. And enti- an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves, listen to this, will be wealthy. And their good deeds will last forever. Uh, light shines in the darkness uh, for the godly. They're generous. They're compassionate and righteousness. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They don't fear bad news. They, they, are con- they confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Mm. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And the wicked will see this and be infuriated. They'll grind <laughs> their teeth in anger. They'll, they'll slink away uh, with their hopes thwarted. Man, when I look at that, that's kind of a holistic way of, of, of you know, seeking th- this thing of, I want the inner prosperity mm. of godliness so that the external prosperity of wealth doesn't corrupt me. Mm. Yeah. Jim, being blessed, and and uh, I had a person, you know, talk to, ask me some questions recently, and I just kind of sat down and I and I, you know, chiseled out some thoughts and and just to recognize how blessed we are. Period. I mean, we just are, and. Yep. We, again, going back to Genesis 1, uh, 27, 28, is, is how God created us. God created mankind in his own image and likeness. He created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. Yep. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You see, there's a blessing that God brings to us, a, found, a, a foundational blessing is that we would be a receiver of an inheritance and a giver of yeah. an inheritance. And the word it, for that is conduit. There you go. 
conduit. And, 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 and in that, to be able to take what I receive yep. and multiply it. Yep. And, 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 and to grow it. And yep. the other is, is that when I, when I see God, he gives seed to the sower. And so I, I, I always want to be that conduit. I always yep. want to be that giver. But as well, I'm, I recognize that, yes, there is an inheritance, and I'm a receiver, yep. and I am a giver. And so I was, I was just looking at that, and then I was, I was reading uh, Psalm 34, 1 to 5, and it says, Lord, I am busting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. And it just goes on and inviting people to to join them. And then verse five, it says, gaze upon him, join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shameful face again. Mm -hmm. And so when we recognize the inheritance we have, Mm And we multiply. That's what I was saying. Multiply and grow. You feel wealth when you're the provider. This is a new thought for me. Magnify the Lord in your life. The new thought for me is like, if we are truly made in his image, we are going to be providers. I'm not a, Uh, I am a provider. I'm like, just like my dad. I'm just like my father in heaven. He's a provider. So I'm going to be too. Yep. So be blessed. Receive the gift. Multiply the gift. Give the gift. Be a provider. So, you know, one of the things you see just, from the context of these scriptures you refer yeah. to is that the purpose of blessing, and, and, and you see this throughout all scripture, the purpose of blessing is never that it stops with you. It, right. is, it doesn't say God gives seed to the sitter. Nope. It says God gives seed to the sower. Sure. It yeah. doesn't say he just gives God to the eater, uh-huh. but God gives seed to the provider. And so, you, you know, greed... Solomon wrote a letter to all the kings that, uh, in the known world. And uh, it's called the Book of Wisdom. And, uh, and, and, and he's talking to all these kings about how they should be managing their responsibilities in, you know, you know, for their kingdoms. And he talks about the fact, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, obviously, but he talks about how that because the wicked don't believe in God, they don't believe in you know the afterlife, the rewards of walking with God. Their concept is that they just need to get all the wealth and resources since there is no eternity. They need to get all the wealth and resources for themselves and for their offspring. Now, number one, that is what elitists believe. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in an eternity. Now, you're talking about the majority of every politician in Washington. I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying the majority of them. You're talking about the majority of, uh, of, of your billionaires and multimillionaires. They don't, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in eternity. So for them, the gr- all they have is what they can accumulate in this life and be sure it goes to their progeny. Well, mm. so that's why elitists want to kill six over 6 billion people to get the world population down to 500,000, which puts about 100,000 of them at the top controlling all the resources and making sure those re- resources are set aside. This is part of the whole 
being scared to death of the the fluke of global warming. So, I mean, you know, we got to reserve. You know, we got to preserve planet Earth because this is all we got. This is it. This is it for us and for and for you know for our offspring. So we got to get control of these resources. We got to wipe out this middle class here that's just consuming all these resources and really just keep some peons alive to be our slaves, and, and us have control of the resources. That's it. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty brutal, and it's hard to believe people are that wicked, but I'm telling you, people are that wicked. And so Solomon, you know, writes, and, and he warns of this. He warns about what happens to people who do not have a sense of eternity. They don't have a sense mm-hmm. of, 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 of the blessings of God that not, that's not only having this life, but, but actually go be, you know, beyond this life into eternity. So, so, uh, uh, uh Greedy people are seeking wealth as a replacement or a substitute for that internal wealth, that in, those internal riches mm. of righteousness, those you know of that of wisdom and righteousness and peace and joy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they don't have that. They don't, they don't have any mm. any source for that. So. So, so that's kind of what we're competing with. And if we buy into the world system, then we start thinking that those things and that those amounts of money will meet that need in our mm. life. So we can never then become resources for other people. We can never become the conduit. We can never become the person who who is blessed through the process of multi, of multiplying. You know, and that's what God God wants us to multiply, not just in the sense of having kids. You know, it, it kind of grieves me that so many theologians have put the whole concept of, uh, 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 you know, prosper and multiply as just having more kids. Yeah, uh, Jim, I, I want to in moving the conversation along. I want to talk about then where does contentment come in? And so for many, that the idea, the concept, I. I I would imagine for them, contentment is I, I have enough, no more, please. Yep. You know, I, it's 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 like, and so what's con- contentment for me may not be yep. contentment for you, and so and you might have too much, and you know, so can we talk about you know this? What would godly contentment moving you know well, towards well, that look like? There's another element because remember we said we're going to okay. talk about the miraculous. There's another oh, element yes. that we really have to look at before we go. Before there. we go there, okay. Now, you know, I'm just I'm just, I'm just looking for example right here uh, in Proverbs thirteen eleven. It says, uh, "Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase." Now, gathering wealth in a way that brings about holistic success has everything about the, to do with the journey as much as, or really more so the outcome. Hmm. You know, like we talked about earlier, if you, if you have a windfall hmm. that you didn't earn, okay. Or that you didn't walk through, you know, a godly process to, to get there, it's going to destroy you because because you're not going to build you're not going to incorporate into that the whole concepts of generosity and trusting God. You know, over the years as a pastor, I saw something really interesting, and that is that the majority of people who came into wealth through an inheritance it corrupted them. 
Hmm. And the reason it corrupted them are a person who got wealthy by a fluke. I, right. I have a friend. I have a friend who who married a woman that was worth millions of dollars. Now she had grown up in money. She understood money. You know, she wasn't overly impressed by money. But mm-hmm. but you know, when you grow up in money, particularly if you if you grow up in money where you know people are earning it, people understand business, uh, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, then uh, uh, th- then you kind of have built into the way you pursue these things. Some wisdom, if yeah. you, you, know, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying. It's kind of like you're so, programmed for success. Not yeah, for, you, you, yeah, you, you are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, they, they get married, and um, uh, and she dies. After mm. been, I don't remember. I don't remember how long they've been married. So he inherits millions of dollars. Oh wow! Well, he was penniless within just a few years. Oh wow! Why? Because he didn't walk through a process to come into wealth in a way that made him understand how to manage it. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 there was a couple in our church one time, and really they they were actually real generous, and uh, but you know they were they were people that lived hand to mouth, and so they got they got a big inheritance. Uh, when when her mother died, and see when you get money by a fluke, it, it, sometimes people will start a business and they and it's just a fluke. They just happen to hit the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. They didn't really, but so they'll start thinking that they're entrepreneurs and they're mm-hmm. not. And they'll usually lose everything they got. Mm-hmm. Or, or or like this couple, you know, suddenly now they had money that they'd never earned that they never had the skill to earn and they never really had the had the the life experience to manage. So what was their big fear now? Their big fear was if they lost it, they'd never get it back. So suddenly having this wealth threw wow. them into a fear that really kind of made them stingy and difficult. And hoarding and all this stuff, yes. Yeah. Like scared, yes. Whereas previously they had been actually real generous, you know? So when we're making this journey toward wealth, it, it, is, it is a walk of faith, but faith is more than just trying to believe for wealth. Faith is, for, is, is, is about trusting who God is and, wanting, and righteousness is about harmonizing with who God is, wanting to be, to, to be you know, like God on this journey. Mm-hmm. So people who want wealth by a miraculous experience mm. will nearly always be destroyed by it if it comes. You know, if they win the lottery, if they get an inheritance. How many whatever. people have I heard praying for that miraculous yeah. step? Yeah. Wow. People who want wealth by miraculous experience will most likely be destroyed by that very yeah. thing. Mm. Why? Because they will not walk out this process of developing generosity in their heart. You know, you know, it, 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 I, I used to see this as a pastor. And, and I, this is not about whether you believe in tithing or not tithing. I'm just using this as an example. You have somebody that you have somebody that making two hundred and fifty dollars a week, and man, they were a fa- they were a faithful giver. Right. And you could you know you could build a budget for world outreach based on the fact that you knew what these people were going to give. Well, it'd be really interesting if they came into a big lump sum of money. They would never tithe off of that. 
But if they grew into wealth, they would always consistently expand their generosity mm. along with their growth. Mm. So, yeah, you know, Jim, this, this kind of goes back to the illustration of, of last week where you, you, you spoke about, you know, the JCPenney's, you know, these large corporations, some real godly people that, you know, they would live on 10% and give 90. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard that. And then I've heard others, and it's just like, yeah, that's pretty easy because their 10% is 100 times more than what I make, you know, and so it's easy to give away when you have a whole lot. But no, they grew into that, and they grew into that generosity to be able to to give. So I want to make this this journey into holistic success, holistic wealth, holistic mm-hmm. everything. I want everything in my life to be holistic in that the way I approach it is that it always contributes to every other area of my life. Okay. Mm. So so we think about we think about having things happening miraculously. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look up the word miracle in the Greek language, you know you know what it is? I, nearly nobody know, knows what that word really means. Just take a guess. If, if you've the word to, miracle? Like, the word miracle, yeah. Um, wow, that's a hard definition. That's a good one. Unexpected, um, impossible by any normal logic. I don't know. I mean, yeah. So what about it, Bob? Just kind of think. Just kind of thinking. I'm just maybe not even right now, but just growing up as a Christian. What would you have? How would you have defined? Think. Well, what is the? What does that word for miracle probably mean? There's a couple. What one would be? I did something right. You know, so I did something right. Yeah. So I I got it. You know, it, yeah. it's kind of like I got the sequence in order, and therefore I I got a miracle. Yep. Uh, the gift of miracles. The gift, the the, the a miracle is I'm just kind of maybe being at the right place yep. at the right time, and and you know so and, and it just kind of happened. It's kind of interesting. Was, You've heard of the the Greek word dunamis, right? Yep. Yeah. All that means is power. Yep. The word miracle is dunamis. Really? Really? That's it. You're it kidding. is not anything like we've ever tried to explain. You know, so so see, we take healing. Yeah. We take uh, we take uh, uh, um, prosperity. We, we we take all kinds of things and l- bundle it up under one word. It was a miracle. Well, maybe not, <laughs> because mm. a miracle is just an act of power, where you act in a power that is beyond yours. Mm. It's, it, it's, it, it is not at all what we think it would be. So the, so. People are seeking miracles from a definition of what a miracle is that, that is not even close to what the Bible is talking Interesting. about. Interesting. Now, as believers, when, when theologically, and, and we've talked about this before, how, how that theologically, Jesus' ministry, number one, was a ministry of a man filled with the Holy Spirit who fully believed and all the promises of God, that God was mm-hmm. who he had revealed himself to be by his names and by his word. And Jesus ministered to people who had grown up reading the word of God, so they knew the word of God. And so uh, so when he would minister to them with confidence, the Bible says that one of the things that was different is he ministered with like somebody who had authority, which had an influence on them. But the Bible clearly states 
nearly every time anybody got healed under his ministry, that it was their faith, not his faith, that yeah. got healed. Yeah. Which okay. is contrary to what we've been taught. Yes. So then, then Jesus is raised from the dead. And now and those people weren't born again. So he was taking something to those people, inspiring them to reach out to God in a way that, that really wasn't as internal as what we have. So as believers, we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the life of God in us. All of this stuff has been given to us. So for us to reach outside of ourselves to try to get into this stuff means we really don't believe what has been given to us through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's why when, that's why once Jesus is raised from the dead and the Holy Spirit is, is poured out, are there, are there the, those occasional miracles like you saw under Jesus' ministry? There's a few. But you know what? You really, if you took the Gospels out and said, okay, this is everything that the Bible says to the church, you really couldn't validate making laying on of hands and trying to get miracles the standard process for solving people's problems. Because, I mean, you just couldn't validate it from, from, from the epistles and from, or even from the book of Acts. You know, you know wow. once you got, in the wow. book of Acts, you've got maybe two or three of those types of miraculous things happening. The man at the gate, beautiful, um, uh, uh, there was one other event under Paul. Maybe those are about the only two I can remember off the top of my head. So why are we trying to make it look like that's how all of our problems are supposed to get solved? To have this one big miraculous event where, where we pray and bam, suddenly this happens. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. You don't you don't have a New Testament model for no, that. No, we don't. No, we don't. The two the New Testament model is what happens in your heart. It's it, it's about the law of the seed as it works in the kingdom. We are called to internally embrace who God is as revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ and become a disciple. And really, this process of transformation of where something becomes ours in our heart, and through a process of transformation, what is in our heart eventually becomes a manifestation on the outside. Mm -hmm. Now... I have had what most people would consider to be some phenomenal healings or miracles. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's always frustrated people when they would say, like when I got healed of my kidney disease, so so when did you get healed? I don't know. They're like, what do you mean you don't know? (laughs) And it's like, well, there there was no one particular day that suddenly, uh, you know, boom, uh, you know, lightning flash, thunder, yeah. rattled the house, and bam. You have a date on the rolling. calendar. It was a date on the calendar, and that right. was the day it happened. Uh, so what what happens? Now, I'm going to describe this first, and I'm going to give you the scripture for it, and then, then, we'll, then we'll see about the process of contentment mm. okay. rather than just a one single, you know, yep. event. So here, here is what I have. You know, like for instance, I just you know came out of years of chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. You all know this, y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. And so, man, I got people writing me all the time saying, "What did you do? How did you do it? I'm struggling with chronic fatigue. How did you do it? What did you get?" And it's like, well, you know, the truth is, my journey out of chronic fatigue was just like my journey out of kidney disease. It was a series of breakthroughs. Hmm. And they were breakthroughs that I couldn't plan, 
But as I communed with the Lord, as I wrapped myself around God, and and as I and as I you know harmonized with who I was in Jesus, you know, kind of day by day, I would kind of have this realization: I I, I need to work this. Thing. It wasn't about fixing myself; it's just about I, I need to deal with this belief. I need to deal with this attitude. Yeah. And so, since the kingdom of God is a mystery, and a mystery is, is something that happens that you can only move to the next phase when you mastered or taken ownership of what God's dealing with now. And most people just want to get more information and think, well, so I'm, I'm at step 10. Well, no, you might be at step 10 on information, but where are you in your life experience? So, you know, uh, uh, it's really interesting. I, you know, I, I've had a sauna for years, an infrared sauna. Yeah. And I used it years ago very faithfully. It really didn't do much for me. And, it, you know, and I bought it just specifically because sci- medically and scientifically, it should have helped me get through chronic fatigue. Huh. And But what's interesting is through taking a series of small steps and having small victories where I would have, I, I would have kind of a small change, you know, for several weeks, I could tell, man, I, I have kind of broken through to a whole nother level. Yeah. And then it would kind of seem like you would kind of plateau and it didn't keep getting better. And you think, oh, man, Shoot. what the heck? Now, yeah. now I'm kind of yeah. stuck here. Exactly. You know? But so so like I was telling a friend of mine the other day, it's like, look, I had this series of incremental breakthroughs. Yes. And then I got this sense of go back and start using your sauna again. Huh. So I went back and started using my sauna. And, and it probably it boosted my energy and stamina. More than any of those individual breakthroughs did any of those times. Really? Interesting. But, and so we look at that, and it's like, well, that's not how I want it. Now, now we have this, remember when we talked last week about external, subjective yes. interpretation yes. of events? Yes. I have seen that people will have incremental breakthroughs, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it's ego, Mm-hmm. A lot of his ignorance. Yeah. And then finally they get to a place where they have this really, really big breakthrough. And then they want to make it all about, I had enough faith to get healed. <laughs> and so, they, so, so they, they define the whole process by the last most significant event. Okay. Uh, so true. Yes. And so they, they develop a circumstance theology based on, well, this is when I have my breakthrough, so this is what it takes to get yes. healed. But they, but they can't duplicate that. They can't get that to happen in other people's lives. Right. So now let me give you a scripture for it, because remember... That is so good. Wow. Okay, what's the scripture? Are, we are supposed to be living based on Jesus' teachings of the law of the seed, which is the mm-hmm. law for the kingdom. Kingdom living. The law of the seed, you know, I'll be coming out, by the way, with my book on that in a few months. The law of the seed is the foundational law of all things in creation. And whether it's physical things, the physical world, the soul, the heart, the beliefs, everything. Everything works first and foremost based on the law of the seed. And so it's amazing, and Jesus said that when he told us about the parable of the sower. He says, you know, if you don't get this, you you can't get any of it. I mean, he said that, but yet we just and you run can't, right over that. And you cannot speed seeds. No, no, absolutely cannot. So he says in Mark 4, 26, he says, so the kingdom of God 
is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, and he doesn't know how. Now, now this is, first and foremost, this is, this is so important. You don't have to know how it all works. You just have to be willing to work the process uh, that God uses. Yeah. In other words, I, all I need to know is this. If I, ta- if I take God's word, if I meditate on it, if I ponder on it, if I reflect on it, if I, you know, if I, if I do, the measure I meet is going to determine how much life I get back. It's not how much I understand it. It's about whether or not I can see and believe myself living it. If I can experience the end from the beginning, just like God does in the way that he works way. So, so number one, stop thinking that more knowledge is going to solve the problem. Influencing your heart is what's going to solve the problem based on the seed. So it goes on to say, it says, and so, you know, whether, whether he sleeps or rises day and night, the seed, the seed will sprout and grow. And he don't really, he don't really know how. For the earth, which is the heart, the earth yields the crop by itself. Oh, I love that. Now listen. <laughs> then it says, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head, and then the grain fully, then the head ripens, and then the sickle is put forth to harvest it. That's five phases that I would call incremental steps of growth. Incremental, mm-hmm. every one of those is an incremental breakthrough. And you can't get to the last breakthrough, mm. which is to have the harvest, which is the man, which is the, the mm. actual manifestation. Mm. You mm-hmm. can't get to that without every one of those incremental breakthroughs. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is so good. So true. The incremental so, steps. Of so, growth. you know, but what we want to just quote a scripture and say, I know that, I believe that, it should be happening. Why isn't it happening? Right. We now, want that result without taking going through the process. Yeah. So contentment, you know, you know the, the, the word contentment probably is, is, is like a, a, a cousin uh, or has some connection to the whole concept of, uh, of patience. I mean, it's bigger than patience yeah. because because it kind of gets it kind of gets into a, a little bit more of a uh, you know, kind of, a, of a state of. It. Matter of fact, let me just look at this word. I was, where you know where where Paul is saying that that godliness with contentment is great gain. So mm-hmm. let me just, let me just look this up real quick. Like one time, a yep. second. Let's do that. All right. So let's see here. All right. So contentment. Contentment is a self-satisfaction. Hmm. Uh, to be concretely confident. Wow. And, and feeling fully, you know, full, uh, uh, kind of a fully satisfied. Wow. It's a, a, a Thayer's lexicon says it's a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Wow. I kind of like that. Y'all like that? Yeah. So you're not a needy person. Right. <laughs> so now for most of us, because we're not in patience, you know, the Bible says, if you, 
if you are waiting for something and you have hope, now what is hope? It's a confident expectation yeah. that this thing's going to come back. If you have the confident expe- expectation, it says you will wait with patience. So the person that starts becoming impatient is a person that really doesn't have hope. They really don't right. believe it's going to come to pass. Right. And so when they don't believe it's going to come to pass, what do they not have? Contentment. They start feeling lack. Yeah. They start They start feeling like, needy. like this, this can happen. Needy. needy. Yep. Exactly. But the person that has hope, that person is confident it's going to come to pass. And really, that person that takes ownership of something in their heart and they experience in their heart they experience the level of satisfaction the moment it becomes real in their heart. They experience as much satisfaction in that moment as they will when it manifests in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were trying to get our property debt, and man, I'm telling you, you know, I just followed the direction of the Lord, moved off of that, you know, we had that big commercial property that we had, and I mean, this Lord led me to do it. And for years, I made payments on that property. But it never, and people were just like, man, this has got to be tormenting. It's got to be bothering you. I said, well, not really, you know. Well, the reason it bothered me, because in my heart, I knew I, I knew it was going to work out. I, know, I never doubted for one minute that it was going to work out. Never doubted what the outcome was going to be. So I, I never lost my satisfaction, my sense of mm-hmm. satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Your contentment. Never lost contentment. So <clears throat> here's, a, here's some things you need to think about. Okay. In your current state, whatever it is, whether you're struggling financially, whether you're not struggling financially, in your current state, are you content? You know, some people are like, well, how can I be content? I mean, how could I possibly be content? I'm struggling. Yeah. Mm. Well, if you've lost your contentment because you're struggling, then then, then there's an issue in your heart. Hmm. You know, Paul said this. Jesus, you know, it's amazing. I, I, I did a, I, I, uh, by the way, I did a, a uh, Zoom meeting with Leon, you know, our, our, yep. our friend. Yep. And, you know, it was about prayer. And so we were talking about prayer, and I was talking about how that every modern meeting I've ever been in where they were teaching you about prayer taught you how to pray the exact opposite of how Jesus taught us to pray. Mm-hmm. Because they taught us to pray on based on how to get things. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, look, God knows you need this stuff. You don't need to be praying about that. That's not what you need to be praying about. And he tells us what to pray about. Well, you know, you know, so it's like it's like religion. I'm telling you, religion has tainted everything in Christianity to some degree. It, mm-hmm. And unless we get back to what Jesus said, unless we give that stuff up, it's always going to affect us. But Paul says this, and and, and Jesus, I, I said all that to say Jesus kind of said the same thing. He says, "Look, godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. We brought nothing in the world, and and we'll carry nothing out of it. But having food and clothing with uh, with these, we shall be content." And he says, now the rich fall into temptation and a snare and a many foolish harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. But see, if you just stop right there, then you miss what he's saying. He says, because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He is not saying that just because you're rich, you end up there. When you can only have contentment because you've got that money that you're putting your trust in, that's where you fall into all these kind of things. 
So, so the question is, are you content in your heart? Are you content with God? Are you content with the fact that what, whatever's going right in your life, do you notice the things that are going right? Are you mm-hmm. thankful for them? And, and, and does that produce mm-hmm. some level of contentment in your life? Mm-hmm. And people need to write this down and think on this and ponder yes, this a little bit. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe another thing might be, oh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt no, you? No, keep going. Another thing might be this. If suddenly, like we asked this question, if suddenly you came into money, how would your, what would change about your life? And, and, and a person should sit down and make a list of these are the things that would change in my life. And then you have to sit down and say, okay, why do I want these things to change? What need is going to be met in my life by the changes that money could bring that really contentment with me and God could solve it right now. Does that make sense? That I oh, say that very sense? much so. Why do I want these things to change? What need is going to be met? Yeah. You know, um, and, and I don't remember the exact stats on this, but... At one time, these numbers may have changed. There was a study done some years ago here in the United States, and they discovered that the majority of people, I can't remember the numbers, like about $30,000, $35,000. The majority of people, once they made over whatever that number was, thirty dollars mm-hmm. or $35,000 a year, mm-hmm. that financial success did not really contribute. It was almost like anything. that kind of amount of money, whatever the amount of money is where you can live a humble and, yeah. and, and your, your needs of clothing and shelter are met. Yeah. You know, after that, everything else is just maybe yeah. not what you think it's going to give you. Well, here's, here's something to consider this. Is the wealth that I need, mm-hmm. is, is that need created by my irresponsible handling of the money I've had. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people this would come into me for counseling as a pastor. Man, they're, they're tore up that God's not providing for them. And I'm like, I start talking to them. It's like, well, you got a new car. Your wife's got a new car. Y'all have upgraded in houses two or three times over the past few years. Yep. You're buying your kids' cars. You're doing this and this. And it's, this. it's like, maybe the problem is not God because even if God does this, even if God provided you this money, the way you're managing your money, the only difference between now and five years from now is now instead of needing a hundred thousand dollars, five years from now you're going to need a million dollars because you're going to keep mismanaging your money. Yeah, yeah. So am I creating the lack of contentment because I'm mismanaging what God is giving me? Mm-hmm. 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 These are great questions, yeah, Jim. Really I'm good. so glad that we're. We're when, working through this. And we can close that, you know, the, the circle. We can close that circle yep. of, of, of identifying truly what our needs are. Yep. And uh, when you take a look at, uh, you know what? The income that I need is insufficient to what I need, um, to what I have. Well, all of a sudden, now you've got a prayer point. Mm-hmm. Now, when that windfall comes or the uh, prosperity or the abundance comes... And all of a sudden, you've got more than what you need in your little circle. Now you got another prayer point. 
Yep. Because see, what do I do God, with this windfall? What do I do with this? Yeah. No. You see, instead of just instantly buying yourself something, or like the beginning your, of the podcast, he was talking your, about that. Getting your circle bigger. Oh, yeah. now I've got now I've got more money now. I'm now I can get, get a, a bigger, bigger house, circle. bigger car, right. nicer yeah. this, nicer that. So you know, the, the last question I would encourage people okay. to ask is, okay. is this, and, and this is in the vein of guarding and protecting your heart. What are you doing at this moment to develop the grace of generosity? Mm. If you're waiting until something's going to change before you start developing generosity. You're fooling yourself. It's never going to happen. Will not happen. I love it. These are such good episodes. Oh my gosh! You know, I'll tell this story. When Brenda and I got married, man, we were broke, 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 broke. I'm telling you. But we had a real compassion to help divorcees and widow people, particularly in the holidays. And so we were sick. Really, we both had a really bad flu that was going around the first Christmas we were married, so we didn't do it then. It was probably COVID-5. It probably was. <laughs> but then, then, so we started the very next Christmas, which was, you know, we, we'd only been married just a little over a year. We started the next, actually, we started next Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving, having people in our home and cooking a big old meal. Well, you know, the, the real truth is we couldn't afford that. And I remember one particular woman, you know, she, she was talking to me about all of her woes and loneliness. And I said, well, here's an idea. Stop worrying about what you can get people to do for you. you. You start thinking about what you can do for others. Yeah, yeah. And man, she just unloaded on me. She said, I don't have money like you and Brenda have. I don't have the money just to have people in my home and do like you guys do. And, and, and you know, I never said anything to her. But what she didn't know was that day that we invited her and other singles into our home to feed them and have Thanksgiving or whatever it was, we took the last food off ourselves. We didn't have money to do this. We just did it because because we chose to be a blessing to you be know, you know, to these people. Generous. Now, be wow. generous where you, you are. You were not with, waiting for something before you became generous. You no. just were generous. Yep. And that's with time, money, everything. Your heart, so your compassion. Now. Start now. Start now. Yep. Wow, we all have a prescription for today. Yep. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, Thank you, do. Jim. I've loved Thank our you. episode today, as Absolutely. always. And we love you with all our heart. Listeners, this is good, isn't it? Like, we're getting super convicted in a good way. So, yeah. uh, you know, plant the seed, but watch, watch it grow. Yeah. And yep. there will come a harvest, but you can't speed that up. Let it, let it, nope. and care for it. But then start today. Yep. Uh, I, I just don't do generous things. I am generous. And I yep. am a provider, mm-hmm. just like my yep. dad in heaven. Yeah. So yep. just to recap, some things to think about that Jim mentioned at the end. Yes, please do. In your current state, are you content? Are you thankful? If you suddenly came into money, what would change about your life? Why do I want these things to change? What need do I believe is going to be met? And is the wealth that I need a result of the irresponsibility with the money that I've already had? And the way that you're, you know, so, so maybe I've, you know, maybe you've been more content than you think, but what are you doing at this moment to develop that grace of generosity? Are you waiting for something before you become generous? Wow. This is good. Choose now. Very good. Woo, woo, woo. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Uh, Just a reminder, you know, the book is available at livetransform.com, and that is Wired for for Success Program for Failure. 
And so it will really help you. Great heart work at the end of every single uh, chapter in that book. Yep. And uh, and I can't thank you enough. We I love you. So Thanks for listening. Excited for you. It's and a how great your day. This is, is exciting. Yes. Yep. Thanks, Jim. You're the best. Best in thank the whole. You guys. Best in the whole wide world. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> bye bye.